0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back. Welcome back to the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. My name is Ryan, episode 42. Boy, do we have a nice, juicy episode for you guys today because the NBA is starting to slide down the ratings boards. They're still getting okay numbers, but they're getting overtaken by some areas that maybe you wouldn't expect. And we'll explain. We'll we'll explain exactly why. And for the first time, we've talked about it over and over and over again. The the, uh, NFL is rigged. The NFL is rigged. The NFL is rigged. Now we got the proof. All right. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode and uh, episode 42 of the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. Let's just get straight into it. The Phenomenal Fan Podcast, a podcast by the fan
1: for the fan.
0: Alright, everybody, episode 42, here we go, huh? We got a good one for you guys today, we're going to talk about all three major sports. Baseball, football, basketball, all of them. And we'll start with my personal favorite, and the one I know more than anybody about, baseball, okay? Okay. Not going to talk too much on it because, of course, it's the offseason for baseball. We got some free agency rumors swirling around. We've had a couple guys sign already. Edwin Diaz goes back to the Mets. The Padres, my Padres, resign high leverage reliever Robert Suarez. And the rest is up in the air. Guys like Judge, guys like Anthony Rizzo. The list is deep. Trey Turner, Clayton Kershaw signs back with the Dodgers. No surprise there. But it's a huge list of free agents, and we'll be keeping track of that all offseason long. Hopefully we'll get between the stitches fired up after we get a few things figured out with that show. But in the meantime, baseball offseason is underway and the free agency train is just leaving the station. So excited to see how that's going to unfold for a lot of different teams, a lot of different players. It should be fun to watch. The Astros won the World Series. We congratulated the Astros on winning the World Series uh, in our last episode. Congratulations. They deserved it. They were the best team in baseball this year, in my humble opinion. Right? But the thing is, a lot of people are asking if the Astros are a dynasty. Right, If you look at the Astros' team history,
1: it's a fair question. But,
0: I can answer the question for you. And the answer is, the Astros are not a dynasty. Because in order to be a dynasty, you need to win championships. Now, they just won the World Series, and then their last World Series is 2017. That's a five-year gap between championships. They went to the World Series in 2021, they lost. They went to the World Series in 2019, they lost. So maybe if you want to say they are an American League dynasty, maybe, because they won the American League pennant this year, 2021, 2019, 2017. That's four American League pennants in the last six years. That's pretty dominant in the American League. But that's not a dynasty. You want to talk about dynasties, you talk about multiple championships at a five, six, seven-year window. And the Astros don't have multiple. They have two. Let me, let, me, let me clarify. More than two. You should have more than two championships in a five, six, seven-year window to be considered a dynasty. The Astros have two championships in a six-year window. It's not quite where it needs to be. They've won a ton of games the regular season, right? 2017, 100 wins. 18, 100 wins. 2019, 100 wins. Over 100 wins in all those seasons. 2020 doesn't count for anybody. Last year, they won 95. Uh, last year, beating 2021. 2022, they won 106. 106 this past season. 107 in 2019. 103 in 2018. 101 in 2017. So, they're not a dynasty. I'm sorry, Astros fans, if you're thinking about it. Now, if you guys go out next year and win the World Series again, now we're talking back-to-back and three out of the last seven. Now we're starting to look into the dynasty uh, conversation maybe but even then that might be stretching a little bit thin i think that the the thin stretch could be supported by the world series appearances and the long standing success although it was not always capped off by a world series championship so that's fine they win next year i'd call them a dynasty if they don't win next year well then they're back to the Astros way is aware. I'm assuming they'll be really good again next year, but they're not they're not a dynasty if they don't win it again next year. So, that's my take on the Astros, but congratulations to them. And Dusty Baker resigned for a one-year deal with them. Who knows if it'll be his last year ever?
1: I don't think so.
0: But maybe. He's old. He's 73. So if it is his final year, man, Dusty's had an amazing career. Good for him. We love Dusty. And hopefully next year, I mean, yeah, if he went out on top, he'd be leaving the team in dynasty form with back-to-back rings. But he's already got his ring, too. So, I mean, you know, he's achieved – He's achieved all you can really achieve in this game, to be honest. On the topic of the uh, free agents real quick, huge names left to be unsaid, uh, left to be signed. Not unsaid, signed. Carlos Correa, Jacob deGrom, Verlander opted out, Carlos Rodon, J.D. Martinez, Trey Turner, Syndergaard, Judge. Justin Turner, Avaldi, Jose Abreu, Rizzo. It's a big list, man. It's a long, 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 deep, deep. Dansby Swanson, Josh Bell, Wilson Contreras, Gary Sanchez, Andrew Benatendi. Jeez, man, there's a ton of free agents. A ton of free agents. And a lot of these guys, man, are taking... I don't want to say big risks, but you start to get a little bit further down this list, and I don't know maybe this is a these were mutual you know uh releases or whatever the case is, right mutual uh options were declined by both the team and the player, but I know in a lot of cases the players decline their option to test the market, and it's like I mean there's there's like hundred. Plus dudes on this list that are like all established big leaguers at a certain level that it's like I don't I don't know if these guys are gonna have a job next year. I mean, crazy, so we'll see man, it's exciting, it's exciting to see there's some big big names um it should be fun, should be a lot of fun to see uh to watch it all unfold. Speaking of excitement, right? We talk about the World Series just passed by. Now we're into that fall swing. Uh, College basketball just started. The NBA is going on, has been underway for a couple weeks. College football, the NFL, right? The NFL's king. Everybody knows the NFL's king. The NFL, (laughs) we pulled up a a list here of the top most watched sports events up until, by the way, up until uh, like the middle of the year, like July, June or July. And it was all based on um, just the 2020 ratings. That's it. Like there's no, there's no, uh, it's not like the last football season. It's like June to June. It's, January to June, this is from this article, it's back from June, okay, but that does include the uh, back half of the NBA season and the NBA playoffs, which everybody knows the NBA playoffs are so long, so long, excessively long, some may say, Uh, and in this case, this list has 50 different events. Listed the top
1: fifty. An
0: NBA game or an NBA event is not listed until number thirty out of fifty. Now you can probably guess which items were near the top, right? The Super Bowl was number one. Both the NFC and AFC championships were number two and number three, respectively. The top...
1: 12? No. The top
0: 13... How do I phrase this? 13 of the top 14 are... NFL playoff games. And the only one that's not, number 12, is a NFL regular season game, Cardinals and Cowboys, week 17. Then you have the College Football National Championship at 15, Winter Olympics at 16. Then you got football all the way until you get to number 23. Then you got the UNC-Duke game at number 23 in the final four. Then right after that, you got UNC-Kansas National Championship, another NFL regular season game, the Rose Bowl, Kentucky Derby at 27, NFL-NFL at 28 and 29, and the number 30 spot is the NBA Finals, Game 6, Warriors versus Celtics. Now you're thinking, but there's... Where's the rest of the NBA Finals? So game six was at number 30. Game five is at number 36. Game four was at number 39. Game two at number 40. Game one at number 41. And game three at number 43. So they all cracked the top 50, and there is no baseball significance on here except for, you know, like maybe opening day. But I'd be curious to see where the World Series lined up. On top of that, the average... Viewers per game in the NBA Finals last year or last season. 2022 NBA Finals, Warriors-Celtics, right? The average number of viewers per game in the 2022 NBA Finals was 12.4 million per game. The average amount of viewers during the Georgia and Tennessee game last week was 13.1 million. The NBA will get their ratings, and they certainly will get their ratings for the championship of their sport. But a regular season college football game between the top five matchup teams beats
1: the NBA Finals. The NBA is still getting
0: pretty decent ratings. But they're they're not where they were back in two thousand, the early to mid two thousands, the two thousand thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen ish era. The ratings are down. Why? Why could that be? Right? Uh, you could talk about a lot of different things, a lot of different reasons. But. And everybody's going to say, well, there's more options now, right? And it's competing with football. It's competing with baseball in some cases, hockey, all these different things. I get it. There's a lot of things to do. And a lot of people are just not maybe watching sports as much, too. That's fine. But until the NBA becomes a
1: little bit more physical, emphasizes. What's the word I'm looking for? Emphasizes fundamentals a little bit more. Mid-range shooting. The art of passing. And gets back to more of its...
0: More of the 80s and 90s style. Until it gets closer to that, the ratings for the NBA will continue to slowly but surely dwindle and fall behind the other big-name sports in the country, like college football, the NFL, and even baseball. Right? Baseball has had issues with viewership, with pace of play, things like that. And as much as you, as much as I love baseball the way it is, I don't want to change everything up. The bottom line is Rob Manfred and the league is...
1: Rob Manfred and the league are making
0: adjustments to try to address those issues. So if anything, you can commend them for it. Now, are they selling out for the dollar? Probably. That's fine. Doesn't matter. Because at least they're doing something whereas the nba here and there will make a foul you know the uh the shooting foul where the guy pump fakes and then jumps into the defender to try to draw the foul they've changed that rule um they've made you know certain emphasizes emphasizes they put they've put certain emphasis on different foul calls play types, things like that. But until the NBA becomes a little bit more physical, has more guys involved in the action, isn't just a dribble, pass, pass, shoot a three. Take it across half court. Pass, pass, shoot a three. Take it across half court. Pass, pass inside, go up for the shot, foul. Pass, pass inside, back out, shoot a three. That's all it is in the NBA. Get across half court. One pass, two pass, shoot a three. Rebound, back out, pass inside, go up, fouled. Free throws. That's it. And that's starting to lose the interest of the people. So until the NBA starts to make some shifts, I think they're going to stay with this trend of starting to slant
1: downwards a little bit. Just my thought. And the league that they're losing out to, and the league that we're going to talk
0: about next, is the NFL. Now, right before we touch on the NFL, wanted to go over some some of the... College football action over the past weekend. Really quick. So I am an Alabama fan. The Alabama Crimson Tide did lose to LSU. LSU beat them fair and square. I get it. It's disappointing. Alabama's got two losses. More than likely will find themselves in a bowl game, but not in the college football playoff. So be it. Georgia beat Tennessee 3 over 1. Ohio State 1. Clemson, number 14, got just absolutely dominated by Notre Dame. TCU beat Texas Tech. So because of all those different things, Tennessee at 1 now drops to 5. Georgia slides up from 3 to 1. Ohio State stays at 2. Michigan slides up from 5 to 3. And TCU slides up from 7, number 4. So that's your top four right now Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU. Ohio State and Michigan play each other every single year. Every single year they play each other at the end of the year. That is going to be potentially the game of the season. Potentially. If TCU runs the table and goes undefeated the rest of the year, as far as the regular season and the Big 12 championship, they will be in the college football playoff. Same with Michigan and Ohio State. Whoever runs the table, wins that final game of the year, they'll probably play in the Big Ten Championship and win, and that'll be it. They'll be in the college football playoff. I think some teams, you can't absolutely guarantee anything, but I think at this point you can guarantee Georgia being in the national championship. I mean, uh, not the national championship, the college football playoff. You can guarantee Georgia will be in it. I think even if they play a team like LSU or they play uh, Alabama, somehow, right, LSU would have to lose. They play Alabama or LSU, and they Georgia loses to them in the SEC championship. There'll be a one-loss SEC runner-up team who beat Tennessee earlier that year. They beat a lot of good teams, so I think they're going to be in it. Ohio State and Michigan, we'll see between those two. TCU has their hands full. TCU plays number uh 18, I want to say.
1: eighteen. Number 18, Texas
0: at... Texas, and Texas is favored by over a touchdown, seven and a half points. Number 18, Texas, six and three, versus number four, nine and zero TCU. Interesting to see. It's going to be a great matchup. Okay. Moving on to the NFL, we're not going to spend too much time on it because we've already talked about it. Not much has changed. Josh Allen is 50-50. We'll see what happens there. But the Philadelphia Eagles are still undefeated. And I can tell you why the Philadelphia Eagles are still undefeated.
1: The Eagles are going to
0: be a good team for a long, long, long time. No matter who they have around the roster, at receiver, at tight end, at running back, on the defensive side of the ball, As long as Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, they will be in the playoff mix every single year. Jalen Hurts, from what I've seen so far this season, is the best leader of anybody in the NFL. He displayed that type of leadership at Alabama. He displayed that type of uh, character at Alabama when he was replaced by Tua. Transferred to Oklahoma led that team like nobody's business, got to another college football playoff. And now he finds himself as the starting quarterback for the Eagles, taken in the second round. Nobody thought he was going to be where he was. All the other quarterbacks were taking over him. And here he sits as the quarterback of an 8-0 Philadelphia Eagles team who is lined up to have an incredible... Season in Philadelphia. Let's take a look here. Let's take a look or a listen at this Jalen Hurts victory speech two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Just take a look, and if you're listening, listen to how well he speaks, how well he relates to his teammates how much they respect him, how charismatic he is, how well he delivers this post-game speech, and how it just exudes leadership and confidence. Okay?
2: Hey, I want to give give gratitude to everybody in this this locker room right now. Everybody in this locker room, because we talk about being a family. We talk about what that means. We practice that every day. But today, we play together. Today, we had each other back. Today, we play like a family. We play like a family. And we still did what? We still sure. left money on the table. We still left that yeah. and, I, and I admire, nah, ain't no, ain't but. Sh- <laughs> and I, and I, I admire the faces that y'all have here. Like, that's the, I, I love that sh- mm-hmm. I love that sh- Because we know what we can do. And we know what we can be. And we know it's in our hands. And that's how it's gonna always be. But, we continue to take these steps and take advantage of every opportunity we have moving forward, and we can be a really dominant football team. Every time, every play. <laughs> but- <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of y'all, man. Hey, family. we a family, we go hard together. We-, we go through every-
1: everything together. Everything together. Family on three. One, two, three. So that was Jalen Hurts right there being a leader
0: because he's an incredible leader. I think he's the best leader of the league. And I think that leadership quality that he exudes plays just as well as actual attributes on the field, arm strength. Speed, those types of things. Because when you have guys that follow you as a true leader and guys that trust you and guys that want to play for you and with you, you will produce at a higher level as an entire unit. And because of that, I think that's why the Eagles are getting the absolute best out of their entire team this year. Nobody picked them to start the year 8-0. No. Nobody. People had them playing well this year, no doubt. There's no doubt people had them playing at a high level, but I don't think anybody picked them after week 9 or week 10 to be the favorite to win the NFC. And I think that's almost entirely because of Jalen Hurts and his leadership qualities. Absolute legend. Loved that guy to death. Loved him in Alabama. Loved how he's handled his career Because it could have easily been at Alabama, gotten sour after things didn't go exactly his way, right? And next thing you know, he could have quit. He could have – there's a lot of different things he could have done. He could have pouted on the sideline that entire year he was to his backup. No chance. Then he stays on the team. That year, Tungavailoa gets hurt in the SEC championship game. Jalen Hurts steps in and does an incredible job, leads the Alabama football team to victory. Man, I mean, what more can you ask of a backup quarterback in that situation, in that time? Guy's kind of been an underdog his entire career. He came in at Alabama as a backup. Comes in to start. Replaces the starting quarterback in the first game of the season. Tears it up that first year. Second year as a sophomore, he wins SEC Offensive Player of the Year, gets replaced by a freshman in the national championship game. The next year, he's a backup again. Then he transfers to Oklahoma. How's he going to be? What's he going to do? Dominates. Leads uh, Oklahoma to a Big 12 championship in a college football playoff. Goes into the NFL draft. Still an underdog again. Joe Burrow. What year did he get drafted? Because I believe it was with all those dudes. It was with all those dudes. 2020 NFL Draft. Let's take a look at some of the quarterbacks that were taken over Jalen Hurts. Joe Burrow? He's better than Joe Burrow. Uh, That's 50-50. Jalen Hurts? So before before Jalen Hurts, let's just say this. Here's a look at all the quarterbacks that were taken in the same draft before Jalen Hurts and where their records stand head-to-head this season in the NFL. Joe Burrow, Eagles' record is better. Tua to the Dolphins, Eagles' record is better. Justin Herbert to the Chargers, Eagles' record is better. Jordan Love to the Packers, hasn't played yet, but way better than the Packers. And then all the way down here, In the second round, with the 53rd overall pick, Jalen Hurts gets taken. And he's on and leading the 8-0 Philadelphia Eagles. Good for Jalen Hurts, man. He is a gangster. I love that guy. Love Jalen Hurts. Now, on the topic of the NFL, we teased it at the beginning, and we have we have the evidence. We have finally acquired the evidence necessary to determine that the NFL is working with the sports books and is entirely rigged. And I can give you detailed descriptions as to how and why that's possible. In this new wave of sports gambling and sponsorships, and sports books. Every other ad I see on TV is DraftKings Sportsbook, FanDuel Sportsbook, Jamie Foxx, BetMGM. Huge money being taken in by those sports books on a week in and week out basis. And with the NFL being the number one product on TV, the amount of money that comes in just on sports gambling is astronomical. And because of that, the NFL finds itself in a unique spot because now bets are coming in like crazy. More states are legalizing it. It's information is becoming easier and easier to access. And now certain things start to unfold where it makes you sort of question potentially the integrity of the sport, Right. And a lot of times, football is football, right? Football is football. It's 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 unpredictable. Anybody can beat anybody on any given day. I totally understand that. I under I get it. I really do get it. But if the following evidence doesn't provide with you some insight as to how the NFL, excuse me. <clears throat> If the following information doesn't at least make you think a little bit about the NFL and its affiliation with sportsbooks and sports gambling, I don't know what will.
1: On Thursday
0: night, November 10th, 2022, Fan uh, DraftKings Sportsbook offered a boosted prop. Boosted props are when they take the regular odds of something that's going to happen, listed on their sports book, and they boost the payout so it's more favorable for somebody to bet on it. In this case, it was Cordero Patterson to score a touchdown, listed originally at... What was, it li-
1: what was it listed originally at?
0: The prop was Cordell Patterson to score a touchdown at any point in the entire game. Listed originally at minus 105, which means you have to bet $105 to win 100. And it's boosted all the way up to plus 200. So you bet 100 and you win 200 on top of it if Cordell Patterson scores a touchdown. Now, let's start with who they played. The Carolina Panthers. Panthers are a bad team this year. Baker Mayfield has been off
1: and on. P.J. Walker. Right? He's been playing quarterback for Carolina. They've been bad.
0: They were 2-7 and seven coming into the game. And they... Just played. They just played the Panther, uh, the Falcons and Fan- uh, Falcons and Panthers just played each other. They just played each other.
1: And I gotta put something down here quick, really quick. I apologize for the delay, but
0: this is important. So, Falcons and the Panthers squared off in Carolina on Thursday night football. Cordero Patterson has a boosted anytime touchdown prop, uh, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. Coming into the game, here's the information that's absolutely crucial to note. Carolina Panthers were ranked 31st in rushing yards allowed per game in the NFL.
1: They're ranked 31st in
0: the league in rushing yards allowed. Last week, last week, the Panthers played the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Mixon ran all over the entire team and their extended family 22 carries for 153 yards and four touch four touchdowns on the ground for Joe Mixon that's the Carolina Panthers a 2 and 7 football team bad on defense bad on offense getting gashed left and right especially when it comes to stopping decent running backs or just the run game in general Now, on to Cordero Patterson and the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons average 32.8 rushes per game, which is ranked 5th in the NFL. They ran the ball 25 times against the Carolina Panthers. The Atlanta Falcons average 23.1 pass attempts per game, 30th in the NFL. And they threw the ball 30 times. So just to clarify, they ran it, Seven fewer times than the average that they do per game. That's the average per game. And they threw it seven more times than, the, uh, than, than they normally do. They played the Panthers. They played the same Carolina Panthers team two weeks ago, and they ran the ball 37 times. Cordero Patterson didn't play in that game and they ran the ball 37 times.
1: On Thursday night football,
0: Cordero Patterson ran the football five times, which is a season low in carries. His next lowest is nine carries, which happened in the game that he got injured in. He averages. 12.6 carries per game. But, but, he's coming back from an injury, right? He's coming back from an injury. It's only his second game back after spending a bunch of time on the injured list, on the injured reserve. That's a fair argument, except for last week he had 13 carries and two touchdowns. So he had 13 last week. He's clearly... Good to go. Had thirteen last week. Last uh sorry, I should say he had thirteen carries his first game back from injured reserve. And on Thursday night football, he had five carries. To top it off, it's pouring rain in Carolina. Pouring rain.
1: It is a recipe
0: for Cordero Patterson to get 20-plus carries, rack up a bunch of yards, punch it in a couple times, and for that anytime touchdown booster to cha-ching, cash, easy. Money. Easy. Five carries.
1: I believe he had... Let's see, how many, uh, how many yards did Cordo Patterson have? 18 yards. No
0: touchdown. So let's recap. The Panthers, 31st in the league in rushing yards allowed. They gave up 153 rushing yards literally last week. Against Joe Mixon and four touchdowns. They gave up over 130 yards to this exact same team two weeks ago without Cordero Patterson. The Falcons ran the ball seven fewer times than they average. They threw the ball seven more times than they average. They ran it 37 times two weeks ago and they ran it 25 times last night, both against the same team. Cordero Patterson got a season low in carries. Cordell Patterson got a season low in carries. Including his second game back from injury reserve. And it was piss-fucking rain in Carolina. Hmm. Why would he not get any touches? Why would he never play? Why is Caleb Huntley getting the same number of carries as Cordero Patterson. Why is Tyler Algier getting eight carries and Cordero Patterson is getting five? Well, you know what? He must, no, 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 no. Cordero Patterson must have been battling through the injury that he just had. He must have been. Uh, wait, except for the fact that they had him out on kickoff. Returning kicks. Hmm. Oh, and did I mention it's piss fucking rain. Run it! Run the rock. Now, here's how the DraftKings anytime touchdown boosts have gone so far this season. Now I think these are boosts from. Bleacher Report Betting? I think BR Betting is lighting these up or partnering with DraftKings Sportsbook. I don't know the exact specifications, but these are every week DraftKings Sportsbook will pick a player in either a primetime game or on the Sunday NFL slate and boost their odds to score a touchdown. This past Thursday night, Cordero Patterson did not score. They boosted Stephon Diggs on the 6th of November. Didn't score. They boosted Devontae Adams on October 30th. Did not score. They boosted Derrick Henry on October 23rd. Didn't score. They boosted Aaron Jones on October 16th. Didn't score. They boosted Clyde Edwards-Alaire October 10th. Didn't score. Finally, October 9th, they boosted Stefan Diggs to plus 125, and he scored a touchdown. The week before that, Cooper Cup to score, did not score. The week before that, Nick Chubb scored a touchdown. The week before that, Justin Jefferson did not score. Before that, Saquon Barkley didn't score. And in the first week of the NFL season, they boosted Jonathan Taylor to score a touchdown. He scored, but it's, it's been his only touchdown of the season. Some of those boosts are even a little bit more suspicious. We just talked about the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers are horrible against the run game. In that week two of the NFL season, Saquon Barkley boosted anytime touchdown score, did not score. Who did he play against? The Carolina Panthers. How does that happen?
1: Week three, Justin Jefferson
0: against the Detroit Lions. Statistically, A bottom three defense in yards allowed in the NFL, and he was targeted six times, his lowest number of targets in any game. And he happened to be boosted to score a touchdown that game. How about in week five, Cooper Cup or week four, whatever it is. How about Cooper Cup Cup on Monday Night Football did not score a touchdown. He had 14 catches for 122 yards. Couldn't find the end zone? Hmm, interesting. How about October 23rd? Derrick Henry, 30 carries, 128 rushing yards. Great game. Couldn't find the end zone. Hmm. How about on October 30th? Devontae Adams, boosted anytime touchdown. 5 targets in the entire game, a season low. 1 catch in the entire game for 3 yards. 1 catch for 3 yards for DeVonte Adams. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what other information I need to give you guys. I don't know what else needs to be said. They have to sprinkle some of these anytime touchdowns as a yes. They can't just go oh for 12 or whatever they have so far this year. It can't happen like that. So they sprinkle in one here in week one. Week one, look, look, week one. Anytime touchdown boost, it hits. Come on, guys. It hits. Easy. Week two, or the, or the next one, Saquon Barkley. No. Jefferson, no. No, wait, wait, wait. No, no. Nick Chubb scored, guys, and it was boosted. It's Come on. Come on. We're two for four. We're 50-50. I mean, that's, come on. Next week, Cooper Cup. No, but he had a big game. Fine. Diggs the next week. Yeah, okay. Here we are. We're fifty percent again. How about one, two, three, four, five, six straight anytime touchdown boosts have not hit. And then your next question, or maybe your 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 follow up question is, maybe your follow up question is, but why? Like why? Why does that matter? Maybe that they just weren't in the game plan. Maybe their defense just the the
1: their opposing defense just shut them down. Maybe, or maybe, or maybe the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons gets a text on the afternoon of the game from a random number that says, no Patterson. Or maybe Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator gets a text on, on, on November 6th, the
0: afternoon of the game, morning of the game, a text from a random number, no digs. And then maybe, maybe, probably not, right? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, come on. Probably not. This is ridiculous. This is crazy. But maybe
1: they get in the red zone.
0: They get first and goal. They get goal to go. And they draw up a play that doesn't target Stefan Diggs. Or maybe. Maybe. The Falcons are like, well, we have a couple other running backs. I mean, they'll just like do with the job fine, whatever. Ortoe Patterson, like, you know, he's coming off an injury. We don't, come on, we don't need him. He had two touchdowns last week. Come on, that's, come on. Maybe the Titans are, you know, moving the ball. Derrick Henry's unstoppable, averaging four or five yards a carry. Maybe they just start throwing it. Hmm. I don't know.
1: I don't know. probably just speculation, probably just, probably nothing, probably just, uh, fun and games, right? I mean, come on,
0: but maybe not. And that's what I'm here to do. to make sure people see everything, not just one side, not just the other. But when a guy like Cordero Patterson is originally listed at -105 to score a touchdown, which means he's he it means he's favored to score a touchdown and he has 5 carries
1: makes you think just a little bit. So otherwise <laughs> that'll do it.
0: Thank you guys for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. Episode 42 has been an absolute doozy. I've sat here by myself and talked for 49 minutes. Unbelievable. I am a loser. I have no life. I'm just kidding. I'm not. If you've tuned in, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it because it means a ton. I really do. I appreciate it. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Hopefully you guys got a little bit of insight. And you guys will be back for episode 43. Because after that, or when we record episode forty-three, uh, the NFL week ten—I want to say—will be over. Week ten. Wow, over halfway done. After by the next time we talk, and I'll catch you guys on the next episode. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. Want more? Follow us on social media and subscribe to Patreon for exclusive content.